Hebrews chapter 9 this morning. Hebrews chapter 9. In fact, our verses are up on the screen there for us. Um, Some of the most basic facts of life we're going to look at this morning. I mean, basic. Right down there are where life is real. Now, sometimes unpleasant things have to be faced or they become unbearable, don't they? How many of you have had a toothache that was kind of just coming and going? And you thought, I should go to the dentist and have that sorted out, but you thought, I hate going to the dentist, so you didn't go. And it went on for a couple of weeks, and then one day, on a Saturday afternoon of a bank holiday weekend, when there's no dentist in the country available to do anything for you, uh, it came full bore, and it started keeping you awake at night. And you thought, you know what, if I'd only dealt with this when it first happened, I wouldn't be facing this. Sometimes hard things have to be faced. They have to be looked square in the eye, and they have to be dealt with. Now, many people grapple with the issue of death, uh, or they never really come to terms with it in grappling with it and come to the place where, you know, I accept it. It's going to happen. And you say, well, I could have, could have waited a long time, Pastor Gormer, to hear that on a Sunday morning uh, that I'm going to die. But let me give you a little, little illustration. How many of you have got a living grandparent? You've got a living grandparent. All right, so um, <clears throat> that's, that's a handful. How many of you have got a living great-grandparent? Okay, so we have one down there, two with a living great How many of you have got a living great-great-grandparent? Isn't that interesting now? The reality is that the mortality rate is 100% so far. Everybody dies. So we know we're going to die. We know that one day we're going to die. We know that one day we're going to pass out of this world. Uh, And um, I think it's kind of wise that we grapple with that idea and come to terms with that idea. Not because it's morbid and dreadful and terrible, but because it actually helps you live better. If you face the fact, the reality that it's finite. I don't know how many people have told me, uh, when you talk to them about the gospel, they, they will tell you this. They will say to well, look, I'll deal with that when I get to it. And I think, it's too late then. It's too late then. But, you know, even for a believer, it's too late for you to start dealing with the idea of death when you actually get there. Because if you're a believer born again by faith in Christ, uh, you're going to heaven. But you know what? <clears throat> you need to be living in the reality of that in the here and now. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a dark thing. That's actually a good thing. To live with the reality of heaven uh, in your heart and in your life. Because that's where you're going to go. That's where we're all going to go. And since we're all going to go there, we, we should actually deal with it. Now, our verses today actually uh, give us uh, three facts that are essential to living well. Although the reality is they deal with death. But they're actually essential to living well. Let's read our verses. And it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, that unto them which look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Three facts that are essential to living well. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word. Help us, Lord. Uh, Lord, help us to take it on board, help us to live the truth and the reality of it, and help us to live, Lord, uh, as people that are mortal, uh, Lord, but that have an eternal life with you. And Lord, I pray you'd bless us and be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. First point this morning is this. We die once. That's what our text says. Uh, And as it is appointed unto men 
wants to die. Now, why does it say once? Well, once is going to be a key issue that we're dealing with this morning in our message. But, you know, there are many people that believe that you get to go around and around many times. In fact, there was a time when I believed that. You know, when you get frustrated with people who don't get the gospel and don't understand the gospel and have wacky ideas theologically, try and remember back to yourself before you actually got saved and what you thought. Try and remember the kind of thoughts that went through your head. Uh, you see, there is no second chance, but many people think there is. I remember um, I, I worked in a shipping office years and years ago uh, in, in another lifetime, several lifetimes removed from this lifetime, but uh, it was one of the first jobs I had, and I was working in the claims department, and there's a guy called Tom. He was actually the manager, uh, and I was working under Tom. And, and Tom and I came to the conclusion that, you know, <clears throat> any thinking person would have to come to the place where reincarnation was real. And we were very smug and very arrogant, and I almost cringe to think about it now. Well, you know, the Bible says no. The Bible says we die once. Why reincarnation? Because it's not all based on one go. You get to come back and have a second go. If you don't do well in the leaving search, you get to go a second time, don't you? Uh, there are so many things in life that, you know, if you don't do well on, uh, you can actually <clears throat> go back and do them a second time. But, you know, you die once. One day you're going to die. And that's only once. There's no second chance. There's no second go around. Uh, it's just once. Now, you say that's a bit harsh. Well, I understand you saying that. But it's real. And if you take the harsh reality and deal with it, then you can live well. But if you live with some false notion that you're going to get a second go around, that you're going to have another chance later on, that you know, you're going to uh, enjoy this life, and later on you'll, you'll go forward and <clears throat> in another life, you're living in a, in a false reality. Because the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die. Just once to die. See, there are many things you can get away with in life. <clears throat> you can get, get away with cheating. Uh, you can get away with stealing, maybe. And maybe you could even, some people can get away with murder. But you know what? Nobody gets out of this life alive. There's no getting out of it. We're all going to die one day. That's, that's, the, that's the reality. All of us are going to die. You see, <clears throat> God is not in <clears throat> man's hands. So often you hear people say foolish, foolish things. Like, I'll have a chat with them when I get there. And they're kind of like, you know, they're going, to, they're going to die and they're going to stand before God and they're, they're going to take him off into a side room and, and have a chat and convince him, you know, uh, change his mind on things. Or people will tell you, well, I have, a, I have an understanding with God. You know what? The reality is God is not in our hands. We're in his hands. He's immortal. Uh, we don't get to choose. He's already made the choice. That because of sin, all of us die once. Now, wisdom says make peace with that reality. And it will affect how you live. Make peace with the reality. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be fearing it. You don't have to be blocking it out of your mind. You don't have to be trying not to think about it. You can actually make peace with it. You can make peace with it. And while you don't want to hasten your end, you can actually be looking forward to what happens after that. You can be looking forward to the life you're going to live with him forever, but you've got to make peace with this idea that you're going to die. You can't hide from it forever. You can't kind of pretend it's not going to be. You've you, you got to make peace with it. You've got to accept the reality. I'm going to die. Right? Second reality, or second fact that we're looking at in our text is this. Uh, 
we are judged once. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, there are several different judgments, I understand, but we're talking about the one judgment as far as eternal life is concerned. The great white throne judgment is the judgment that we're talking about here, right? <clears throat> now, uh, all of us one day are going to stand before God and we're going to be judged. Now, that need not terrify you. You can have that sorted out here and now. You can have it set before you leave this place today. It need not terrify you, but the reality is it's going to happen. We are going to die, and we are going to stand before God. Now, I, I understand there are whole philosophies. There, there are whole bodies of science that are largely accepted by the world, and they're, they're, their whole aim is to deny this truth. Evolution is such a body uh, of un, unscience, and the whole aim of it is to get you away from the fact where you die and you're judged. Evolution tells you you're just an animal, you're going to live and you're going to die and you're going to go on, there is no judgment. But you know that everything in us tells us there is a judgment, even if the scripture didn't tell us. You know, every people that have ever lived have known there was something bigger than them and there was something uh, that was ultimately they were accountable to. Our generation have kind of put it out of their minds and used science, false science, uh, to do it. But no, the reality is we're going to be judged. We're going to stand before him one day and we're going to be judged. You know, you're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ someday. Do you know that? You'll either see him at the great white throne judgment or you'll see him at the judgment seat of Christ, but you're going to see him. He's the judge of the world, the Bible says, and one day we're going to be judged. One day we're going to stand before him uh, and be judged. Now, now, what are we going to be judged on? Because this is really important for us to understand. What are you going to be judged on? Right? <clears throat> um, well, let me tell you this. First of all, it's not on how good you are. Because we're not. None of us are good. None of us are good enough. If it was based on how good we are, we'd be in real trouble. I wouldn't be preaching this message. I'd be hiding from you. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be going somewhere else because we're not good enough. Right? Uh, the Bible says, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. Right? There's not one of us righteous. We've all sinned. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we are. We got it from our great, 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 great grandparents. And... Um, you know, we've all sinned, we've all done wrong. So if God were to judge us uh, on how good we are, we'd be in real trouble today. And I've known many people that have told me that, that have said to me, well, you know what, I don't think I do anything bad. I've done a lot of good in my life. And they're hoping there's a scales put in place someday and their good is going to outweigh their bad and they're going to stand before God and they're going to be judged on their goods and their good works and they're going to get in by the skin of their teeth. Nobody's getting in by the skin of their teeth. Nobody's getting in based on their good works, because we don't have good works. <clears throat> right? Now, but let me, let me tell you this, too. We're not going to be judged even on how bad we've been. That's not what we're going to be judged on. Because there's enough evidence, that, enough evidence could be gotten against each one of us to judge us on how bad we've been, but praise God, that's not what the judgment's going to be on. Do what the judgment's going to be. The judgment is going to be on this one simple fact. Are you written in the Lamb's book of life? Have you trusted Jesus Christ to have your Savior? Have you dealt with the issue of death and judgment and come to the place where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and been born again by faith in him? That's what the judgment is going to be based upon. You see, here's the deal. There's basically two judgments that we're talking about. <clears throat> one is the judgment seat of Christ where Christians go. 
and that's an award service. The other is the Great White Throne Judgment, and we find the Great White Throne Judgment in Revelation chapter 20. And let me just read it for you, and um, we'll talk about it for a moment. Revelation 20 verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were all judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, right? That's, by the way, everybody at the great white judgment is going to hell. It's already been decided. And here's why it's been decided. Verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, that, that's grim truth. That's, that's harsh truth. That's, that's harsh reality for us to face. But the reality is, you know, <clears throat> the, the, God doesn't fudge it. We fudge things, don't we? We don't want to hurt people's feelings. We, we don't want people to think bad of us. And so sometimes we'll, we'll kind of fudge things. We'll dull the edge of something. We, we won't make it too clear because if we made it too clear, uh, they might be hurt. They might be upset. God never does that. When God's got something to say, he says it. He puts it out there. Uh, he lands it uh, on the table before you, and he says, here's the truth. It's really a much better way. Right? <clears throat> but he says, he says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's no other way. There's no other plan. Uh, there's no way around it. There's no way to avoid it. Either you're in the book of life or you're not in the book of life. And if you're not in the book of life, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. And you say, well, how do I know whether I'm in the book of life or not? Well, the only way for you to know whether you're in the book of life is for you to come to the place in your life or have come to the place in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've been born again by faith in him. The Spirit of God has come in, and you know it. You're changed. You're a different creature because God's stepped into your life and God changed everything. Oh, and, I, and, and, and we're, we're doing testimonies on a Sunday. By the way, we have two testimonies tonight, don't we? <clears throat> we're doing testimonies on a Sunday night, and it's fascinating to me to hear how God works in different people's lives and how somebody got saved, how God, it's always God. God's always going after people and drawing them to, to himself and, uh, and, and working in, in their lives. And, you know, <clears throat> that, that's what you need, a testimony. Yeah, I was lost. But then I realized the Spirit of God showed me I was a sinner and that Jesus paid the price for my sin and, and I trusted him as my Savior and everything's been different since that, that's basically what a testimony is. And, and you need to have that testimony. Look, this is way too important for you to carry on on a hope so. Because you're going to die, you know that. We've convinced ourselves of that. And you're going to be judged. That's the reality. And you know what? <clears throat> if you will trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're never going to end up at this great white throne judgment. That's not going to be you. You're never going to be there. You're going to bypass this one. You're going to be with Christ at this point in time. Listen, it's important that we face the realities, that face the facts of life and actually deal with them. But our third point is the really exciting fact that we need to face and deal with. Look at this. Christ was once offered for all. 
So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them which look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Jesus Christ was once offered for all. Do you know there is no sin in this room that cannot be and has not been covered by what Jesus did? He paid the price for your sin in totality, in all of it's paid for. And he did it in one act. It's not a perpetual thing where he's doing it. He did it once. Christ <clears throat> was once offered. You know, there, there are traditions <clears throat> where Christ is offered every day. And that's, that, 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 that's a travesty. He, he was once offered. In fact, uh, Vincent's testimony was interesting last Sunday night because he, he brought that point out. That um, <clears throat> uh, Pastor Zemeski, the man that led him to the Lord, had pointed out to him that this text where it says Christ was once offered. And he pointed out, and I can't be offered every day as a sacrifice. He was once offered. And the Spirit of God began to work in Vincent, and that's actually the point that the Spirit of God connected on uh, with him. You know, listen, it was a one-time offering. Now, it's important that we get that, that we understand it, that it's a one-time offering that Jesus was offered once. <clears throat> you see, this was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. This is the ultimate sacrifice. This is, this is the end of sacrifices. It's not a little bit of you and a little bit of God. Jesus did it all. He paid the whole price. He paid for all of it. Everything of sin, all sin, was dealt with uh, when Jesus died uh, on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he, just before he died, seconds really before he died, he said this. He said, in, in English it's translated as, it is finished. Right? But it's a fascinating statement. Uh, There's it, got so much depth and so much reality to it. When he cried out, it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past, it is still finished in the present, and it will continue to be finished in the future. What was he saying? It's paid in full. It's done. It's over. It's finished. There's nothing more to pay. Now, <clears throat> What you have is you have a people very often that think, well, you know what, I have to do my part. How can you do your part if it's finished? How can you do your part if he paid it all? And, and if you could do your part, why don't you do all of it? And then he wouldn't have to come. He wouldn't have to hang on a cross and die. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, he said, it is finished once for all. The price is paid in full. There's nothing left for you or I to pay at all. There's no living for salvation. There's no earning salvation. No, it's finished. It's done. Once for all, Jesus paid the price. And it's over. It's done. And if you're laboring this morning under the misapprehension that, you know, well, you've got to add your part to it. You're, you're laboring under, under a false idea. Listen, the fact that he died for me changes my life completely and sets me going in a different direction. But I'm not earning salvation. I'm not adding anything to it. I couldn't. That was the problem. You see, the problem was if you take any one of us, take, take, take your sin. The problem is that your sin couldn't be paid for by a human being because we all have our own sin to pay for. 
So God sent his son to take on sinful flesh, to bear our sin in his body on the tree, and to pay for it because he was a perfect sacrifice, the only one that could be a perfect sacrifice. He paid it all. It's done. It's finished. It's over. It's paid for. There's there's nothing left for you and I to pay for. What was finished? Matthew Henry has eight things he said that was finished when Jesus died. Uh, He said, first of all, the malice of his enemies was finished. Jesus died the most gruesome death. It's possible to die. A lot of hatred went into actually giving him over to the Romans to crucify him. They they, they weren't just kind of, you know, they didn't like him. They hated him. They wanted him to suffer as much as it was possible to suffer. But you know, when Jesus died on the cross, it was done. What do you do with somebody that you're just crucified to make them suffer more? You can't. It's over. It's finished. Uh, The sufferings ordained by God were finished. You see, Jesus spoke of the fact that he would go to the cross. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to pay the price for sin, and he knew he knew he was headed towards the cross. He knew that's why he was here. He knew that he was going to be, and he knew how awful it was going to be. I mean, the story in the guard uh, of him sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, he knew it was happening. He knew it was going to happen. He knew how he was going to die, and he knew all of it. But you know what? When he died, it was done. It was over. It was finished. He paid the price. All the Old Testament types and prophecies were fulfilled. There were, the, if Jesus hadn't died on the cross and paid for our sins the way he did, so much of the Bible would have been left unanswered. Because it's talking about it all the time. It's talking about the cross. Look at Isaiah 53. You know, <clears throat> look at many of the Psalms. It's all talking about the fact that Jesus is going to go to the But all of it was, was finished. The lamb that was slain in the temple, the lambs that were slain every year, they were picturing when Jesus died. It was finished. It was finished. It was paid. The price of sin was paid in full. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and that's exactly what he did. He took them away. It was finished. Um, His physical sufferings were at an end. It was finished. His life was now finished. He only had a few seconds to live. His life was now finished. The work of redemption was now accomplished. It was finished. It was paid in full. It was over. It was done. There was a full satisfaction for sin. Listen, your sin, all of it, was fully paid for in that one act. It was fully paid for. There was a fatal blow to Satan. Satan's world was turned upside down. Everything was changed for Satan. Uh, Not sure he's accepted it yet, but he has lost. And he has lost big. There was no way he was going to win, but I think he hoped, and maybe still hopes, but you know what? Fatal blow was struck to Satan. There was a fountain of grace opened that will flow forever. You and I live in that fountain of grace today. And by the way, understand this. The fountain of grace is not because you're a good person. The fountain of grace was opened because a good person died to pay the price for your sins. 
The fountain of grace was open because Jesus' blood flowed on that cross and its power is still flowing today. But don't miss this, that the grace is flowing, that there is God's power for you to live today. There is God's power to to, to enable you to live. There is God's hand and God's power available in your life today because Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. The fountain of grace uh, will flow forever. And there is a foundation of peace that will last forever. Do you know Jesus died? And though I wasn't born yet, and you weren't born yet, because he died, peace between us and God was established forever. The day I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, God was no longer angry with my sin. He was no longer, I was no longer under the wrath of God. But peace reigned between us. He made me his child. Not because of anything you've done or I've done. Not because of how good we are. Not because the scales was balanced. No, because Jesus took and just threw the scales away and he said, I've paid for it all. It is finished. It's all paid for. It's all done. It's all over. It's all taken care of. It is finished. You see, I I think we have a hard time getting, getting our heads around this, don't we? We have a hard time getting our heads around the fact that, you know, it's all done. It's all paid for. Oh, listen, when we do wrong, we we feel guilty and we get smothered with guilt for it. And we'll deal with that in a a moment. But do you realize that it's all paid for? Do you realize that your sin, whatever it was, Jesus took on himself and he paid for. It's gone. It's done. It's over. All of your sins have been stamped by God with one word, paid in full. It's, it's one word in the Greek. It's tetelestai in the Greek. Paid in full. And it's all done. It's all paid for. Let's, let's think about what is it? What is your sin? What's the sin that's keeping you from God? What's the sin that's holding you back? Is it anger? Uh, is it lust? Is it a hard heart of unbelief? Is it addiction? Is it, is it an uncontrollable temper? Is it cheating? Is it stealing? Is it adultery? Is it abortion? Is it pride? What is it that keeps you back from God? That's when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's paid for. It's done. Anger. He stamps paid in full on it. Arrogance, paid in full. Gossip, paid in full. Drunkenness, paid in full. Fornication, adultery, paid in full. Embezzlement, paid in full. Lying, paid in full. Disobedience, paid in full. Slothfulness, paid in full. Pride, murder, bribery. You can go on with the list as long as you like. And you know what he did? He said paid in full. It's all paid in full. You see, here's the thing about salvation salvation is not a deal in the sense that you know you do your part and God does his part it's it's not like that he paid it in full before you were ever born he he dealt with the problem before for you it ever arose he paid it in full the only condition that there is is will you receive it will you receive it that's the only condition the only condition that comes your way is, you know, he paid the price for our sin. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only question is, will you receive it? That's good news, isn't it? I mean, we didn't start off with very good news. We started off with the fact that we're dying, right? You weren't very happy, but this is good news. This is, this is good news that, that affects everything, that changes everything, that turns everything around, that makes everything different. If you're saved by grace today, listen, this is the good news that's paid for in full. If you're not saved and you will receive him today, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to as many as believed on his name. Do you know he'd make you his child today? He would adopt you today before you leave this place. If you would just come to him, I mean, this is not a deal. This is a giveaway. You know, you don't even have to buy a lotto ticket. This is a giveaway. He says, if you will come, that he will save you. Listen, that's incredible, isn't it? Listen, if you're saved this morning, when was the last time you really thought about this? I am going to heaven. Not because I'm good. Don't we sometimes get caught up in the thought that we're good? We're the good guys. We're not the good guys. There's none of us good. Neither before nor after we're saved. There's none of us good. I'm going to heaven because he was good. And he paid the price for my sin. And he paid it in full. He didn't leave anything left for me. Oh, in some senses, wouldn't you, wouldn't you be glad if there was something you had to do so you could earn it, so you could kind of feel, well, I did my part too. No, there's nothing left for you to do. It's all done. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. He paid it all. He, he took it. He, he wiped it out. He changed it completely. Isn't that great news? I know you got problems. I know you got difficulties in life. I know you got issues you got to deal with. But you know what? You have this. Your problems are small by comparison. Aren't they? The problems that you're facing, they're small by comparison. You know what's paid in full? Jesus paid it all. He paid the price of it all. It's all done. It's all finished. He, he paid uh, for my sin in full. Now let me give you three, three abiding principles, or four actually. <clears throat> And we're done, right? Since Jesus Christ paid in full, the work of salvation is now complete. He doesn't leave it open to add anything else. I think you should live a good life because you're saved, but you know what? You're not living to be saved. And I think it's a tragedy when people kind of get that back to front and, they, and, and, and then they start talking, uh, in a sense, out of both sides of their mouth and saying, yes, well, Jesus paid the price for your sin, but you've got to do this and this and this. No. Jesus paid the price for my sins and I received him as my savior and I'm on my way to heaven and that's it. And the principle is, I love him because he first loved me. I serve him because he's forgiven me. Not to be forgiven. Secondly, since Jesus paid the price in full, all efforts to add anything to what Christ did on the cross are doomed to failure. Understand that. that When you come to the place where, where you're adding to what Jesus did, where you're adding to your salvation, where you're earning salvation, it's doomed to frustration. It's going to wear you out. 
Because here's the thing. You're paying a bill that's already been paid. And when are you going to be finished paying a bill that's already been paid? Never. It's paid. It's done. <clears throat> Since Jesus paid the price for your sin, there's nothing else to offer. And then since Jesus paid in full, the only thing you can do is accept it or reject it. And make, don't kid yourself. You're not going to think about it, dwell upon it, or, or kind of <clears throat> come back to it another day. You don't know that you have another day. You know, <clears throat> you're going to accept it or you're going to reject it. Do you know the first time I ever heard the gospel, I rejected it? In fact, the first several times I heard the gospel, I rejected it. And I said, praise God that in his mercy I didn't die in the meantime. But there came a day when the Spirit of God turned the lights on and I saw it. I still had a choice to make. But I accepted it. And it's made all the difference in my life. It's changed absolutely everything. Maybe you've done that. It's changed your life too. Maybe today you're looking at it and you're saying... Well, I'm not sure. I want to think about it some more. Listen, you know, you don't have to think about this thing. You don't have to study. You don't have to understand and believe the whole Bible. What you need to do is just accept it. Yeah, I'm a sinner. He paid the price in full. I accept the offer of salvation. I'm humble enough to accept the offer because I can't do anything about it. And you accept the offer of salvation. <clears throat> you know, there's a song written over 100 years ago. I think we're going to learn it, right? Uh, <clears throat> but it says, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. God's not going to look on me and examine me and say, Dave, you good enough? No, God's going to look on Jesus and say, I'm satisfied. The sin is paid for. If you haven't come to that place where you've trusted Christ as your Savior, today's the day. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable day. Don't miss it. Don't wait for another moment. Don't, don't wait for something better to come along. Don't, don't wait for more understanding. Don't wait, you know, till you've gotten it all kind of tied together and your life all sorted out. You'll never have your life sorted out. It's accept it or reject it. Just accept it or reject it. Which will you do? You say, it's way too simple. Well, it's not really. It wasn't for him. But on our end, it is very simple. It is very straightforward. In fact, it's humbling. You mean I've got to admit that I can't fix my problem? I've got to admit that I can't save myself? I've got to admit that I can't be good enough? Yeah. And I think that's the sticking point for many people. No, you can't. But he has. Will you accept what he's done? Will you say, Lord, save me because I need saving? And then, what does he do in your heart? When your sin is paid for in full, you'll never have to face it again, ever. Not with him. It's paid for in full. It's finished. It's dealt with. 
But he does other things in your life. He breaks the power of sin in your life. Do you know that <clears throat> before you get saved, there's a power operating in your life that you're not really able to deal with? It's the power of sin. And that's a powerful force in our lives. But when I got saved, Romans chapter 6 says that Jesus broke the power of sin in my life as well. Oh yeah, what he did was he took away the penalty of sin. He paid it all. But he didn't stop there. He broke the power of sin. So he said, Dave, you're not a slave to sin anymore. You're free now. You, you, You don't have to do things you used to do before. Now, just because you're saved doesn't make you perfect. And you still can sin because you still have a sin nature. But there's a different power at work. You don't have the same power working in you. What else does he do? He gives you a home in heaven. One day when you die, oh yeah, maybe you'll come here and maybe some people will cry over you and we'll have a service and we'll take and bury you. But you won't be going in the ground. Because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. That won't be a sad day in your life. That'll be a great day in your life. Get this sorted out and listen, you sort everything out. All the rest of the problems are small by comparison to this problem. Get this one sorted out and listen, you've got it sorted. You see, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Your sins. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Listen, one day, the salvation that you maybe have right now because you've trusted Christ as your Savior will become the most real thing in the world because he's coming back. One day that will become the most real thing in the world and you will spend eternity with him. Now, don't you want that? Of course you do. You'd be daft not to want that. So what's holding you back? What is it that stands between you and receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior? What is it that's holding you back? Would you not just give in today? Just yield and say, Lord, that's what I want. I want to be saved. Just give in. And then do this. Please tell somebody. Don't just do it and pretend it's something that is, you know, it's all private. You don't want anybody to know of it. Tell somebody. Let somebody know what you've done in your life. Listen, it is the most important thing, bar none. If you haven't received it, receive it. And if you have received it, would you rejoice and give thanks today that you're saved and you're on your way to heaven? That's time for prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for the love that you've poured out upon us and in making a way back to to you for us. Thank you for the salvation that was paid for once for all by your precious Son. Now, Lord, would you bless the people in this room, Lord? There are people in this room that do not know you as Savior, Lord. Or they may be in church, but they don't know you as Savior. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you work in that heart right now? Would you deal in that heart? Lord, may it be you. Lord, it's always got to be you. We can't do it. Man can't persuade man, Lord. It's not sales. It's you doing the work of convincing man. Lord, would you do it now in hearts? 
And Lord, for those that are your children that have trusted you, that have that know their eternity is secure, that know their home in, in heaven is secure with you, Lord, would you would you help them to rejoice in that, Lord, and to live their lives like that's the reality? And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.